Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Transat Conference Call. Je cède maintenant la parole à Monsieur Christophe Embed, Vice-President Affaires Publiques. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Christophe Embed, Vice President Corporate Affairs. Monsieur Embed, à vous la parole. Please go right ahead, Mr. Embed. Merci. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Transat Conference Call for the presentation of the financial results of the fourth quarter and year ended on October the 31st, 2020. I'm here with Jean-Marc Eustache, President and CEO, Annick Guérard, COO, and Denis Petrin, CFO. Jean-Marc will provide his comments and observations on the current situation, followed by Annick, who will focus on our operational and commercial plans for the future before Denis reviews the financial results in more details. We will then answer questions from financial analysts. Questions from journalists will be handled offline. The conference call will be held in English, but questions may be asked in French or English. As usual, our investors' presentation has been updated and is posted on our website in the investors' section. Denis may refer to it as he presents the results. Today's call contains forward statements. There are risks that actual results will differ materially from those contemplated by these forward-looking statements. For additional information on such risks, we invite you to consult our filings with the Canadian Securities Commission. The call also contains certain forward-looking statements concerning a transaction involving the acquisition of all the shares of the corporation by Air Canada. These statements are based on certain assumptions deemed reasonable by the corporation, but are subject to certain risks and uncertainties several of which are outside the control of the corporation, which may cause actual results to vary materially. In particular, the completion of the transaction with Air Canada will be subject to customary closing conditions, including shareholders and regulatory approvals, particularly authorities in Canada and the European Union. These approvals, approval processes are ongoing, and the details of the transaction with Air Canada will be discussed in a few minutes. Forward-looking statements represent Transat's expectations as at December the 11th, 2020, and accordingly are subject to change after such date. However, we disclaim any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, other than as required by law. Finally, we may refer to IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures. In addition to IFRS financial measures, we are using non-IFRS measures to assess the corporation's operational performance. It is likely that the non-IFRS financial measures used by the corporation will not be comparable to similar measures reported by other issuers or those used by financial analysts as their measures may have different definitions. The measures used by the corporation are intended to provide additional information and should not be considered in isolation or as a substitute for IFRS financial performance measures. 
Additional information on non-IFRS financial measures, such as their definition and their reconciliation with the more comparable IFRS measures, are available in our annual report. With that, let me turn the call over to Jean-Marc for his opening remarks. Good morning, everyone. I am not going to dwell too long on our financial results per se. You have seen them. Our revenues are down 96% year-on-year for the quarter and 56% for the entire year. Our net loss attributable to shareholders is very close to 500 million. And our net adjusted loss is 355 million. Those numbers are appealing, but they are very much in line with what is happening to travel and aviation all over the planet. IATA is forecasting a global drop in revenues for airline of more than 500 billion US, leading to a net combined loss of 119 billion US. For tourism as a whole, the loss in revenues is estimated by the UNWTO to about 1 trillion American dollars. No company is built to operate at a close to zero revenue for nine months. The mere fact that we are still standing is a tribute to how solid a balance sheets we had before the pandemic hit and how quickly we adjusted ourselves to protect our cash. But beyond numbers, I think there are three questions I should address today. One, where are we with the transaction? Two, how prepared are we to continue on our own should the transaction not go through? Three, where is the Canadian government? And I am already warning you that I have no answer to this third one. So first, about the transaction. As you are very well aware, the shareholders meeting is tomorrow, December 15. Our board and a special committee have reiterated their anonymous recommendation that the revised arrangement with Air Canada is in the best interest of Transat and its stakeholders, and it's fair to Transat shareholders, and unanimously recommend that the shareholders approve the arrangement. We have said many times in the past that the alliance with Air Canada was the best way forward for Transat and all of the stakeholders, and that is even more true in the context of the pandemic. Joining our savoir-faire as a leisure company to Air Canada's might and network can only make both companies emerge stronger from the crisis. For shareholders, the cash consideration of 
is a premium of 31.6% to the average price before the execution of the arrangement agreement. And the share consideration was worth $7.49 at Air Canada closing price of $26.16 on Friday, on last Friday. If our shareholders follow our recommendation and approve the transaction, we will then be waiting for the regulatory approvals. The provisional deadline in Europe is set at, is set at February 9, and there is no firm date for the governor in council's decision in Canada, but we expect to receive the answer in the same time frame, in time for a closing by the outside date of February 15. Secondly, should the transaction not close for any reason, are we prepared to continue on our own? The first aspect of this question is obviously financing. As at October 31, 2020, our cash and cash equivalents totaled $426 million. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we have taken many initiatives to reduce our cash burn. We have adapted our program almost on a weekly basis to adjust to demand. We have granted our customer travel credits rather than reimbursements. We have prolonged the vast majority of our employees. We have postponed the bulk of our lease payments and taken some planes out of the fleet. We have negotiated with other suppliers and reduced our non-vital investments. On the other hand, we have drawn down on our 50 million revolving credit and we have put in place a 250 million short-term credit facility, which we will be able to draw down in trenches until February 28, subject to certain conditions. This latter facility expires on March 31st, which means that by then we will need to either extend it or put in place a new long-term financing. We assess that our need over the course of 2021 will amount to around 500 million, subject among other things to the reimbursement of travel credit. We are considering our options for this long-term financing, including, of course, leave program. This being solved, if it comes to that, we are in a good position to benefit from the future restart of travel, which we all hope will soon be triggered by a broadly available vaccine 
and receding of the pandemic. We are operating on a segment, leisure and visiting friends and relatives, that will, all, will most likely to be the first to pick up. We have used the opportunity of the pandemic to accelerate the transition of our fleet, now centered around our single ALS, long-range Airbus 321, the ideal aircraft in tomorrow's world of recovering demand. They will be completed by a reduced number of wide-body Airbus 330 for the most popular routes with cockpit commonality between the two types. We have, in the past few years, made huge progresses in our revenue and network management, as was demonstrated by our results in the first four months of the year. We were on track to enhance profitability and we will benefit from that once the demand is back. Our resilience, our nimbleness, and the good relations we have always enjoyed with our employees groups, unionized or non-unionized, will allow us to adapt to the new environment and emerge in a satisfying position once we are over the lowest point of the crisis. Third question, where is the Canadian government and why is not acting more resolutely to support his aeronautics and airline industry in this unprecedented situation? I have to say it, impossible to comprehend. Canada enjoys or enjoyed a very robust aeronautics industry and several healthy airlines, more than so than many other countries. They constitute a solid ecosystem of supplier, airline, and infrastructure that did not cost a cent to the taxpayer because of the user pay approach. While many others subsidized their airport or navigation services. These provided many well-paying jobs in Canada and especially in Quebec and was very instrumental in economic development in the global world while helping the tourist industry flourish in the country. When the crisis hit, many governments in the world acted swiftly to back their online industry at the heart of the ecosystem. IATA recounts that airlines throughout the world, mostly in Europe, the US, and parts of Asia, has received 173 billion US dollars and counting. That has allowed airlines to maintain 
a certain level of activity and prepare for the future, while reimbursing their customers for flight canceled during the pandemic. This goes to major carriers like in the U.S. airline, Air France, British Airways, TAP, Portugal, Alitalia, Lufthansa, but also to leisure airlines such as Corsair or Condor. A major travel group like TUI has also received billions from, of euro from the German government. That support has been progressive to governments adding support as the need grew. There is, for instance, talks this week of France injecting four to five billion euro in equity in, in Air France, which has already received four billion euro in government-backed loans and three billion in loans directly from the state. This, of course, has consequences. By our reckoning, Canadian Airlines have, for instance, give up, given up 11 market shares points towards European between May and August. If it does not change, our foreign competitors will be in a much stronger position to cater to a recovering demand. But in some while, looks like the Canadian airlines are being punished for their strong balance sheets before the crisis. We had the capacity to weather the onset of the crisis, so no action was taken to support us. But you are going to say, but you have received the Canadian emergency wage subsidy. Is that not support from the government? Have you not received a loan from EDC? Let me answer to that. About queues, we have indeed claimed 106 million at the end of October, and we are very grateful for that. But two-thirds of it was for salaries paid to employees we were on leave with pay. If the program did not exist, these employees will have been laid off and received CRB or unemployment insurance. That leaves us with 38 million for employees who are at work. Already something, but not much in comparison with what is needed and provided to others. As for the financing that we have put in place, EDC has indeed been part of it, and again, we are grateful. But as I said, that is a short-term loan arranged by a private bank at market rates, not preferential one which means high rates in the current circumstances. And we are not told that having taken it, 
may be an obstacle obstacle to subscribing to leave. We have been very disappointed to say that the lease not to hear anything about our industry in the fall economic statement. On November 8, Minister Gatto issued a statement saying that the air sector cannot respond to these challenges on its own, giving the unprecedented impact of his operation. We cannot agree more. He continued by stating that the government anticipated beginning discussion next week. A month has elapsed since then, and we are still waiting for a phone call. When other countries are reached a react months ago, time is now the essence. To continue and to summarize before we move on, to elaborate on our operations and our financial results, the absolute desolation that COVID-19 has sown across the aviation industry has not spared transact. However, there we are, ready for a restart now that the promise of a vaccine shine, the first light at the end of the tunnel. We still believe that the best way forward is the transaction with Air Canada, and we encourage our shareholders, as well as the regulatory bodies, to approve it. But should that not be the case, we are also ready to rebuild on our own. And we hope that in either case, our government understands that is at stake here and will step up to the challenge. With that, I will pass the mic on to Anik for an overview of operations. Thank you. Thank you, Jean-Marc. So after having seen the worst uh, for our industry, we are finally starting to see some positive in front of us. We see promising initiatives that are being led by the province of Alberta and now Ontario in collaboration with the Government of Canada and the Public Health Agency regarding science-based arrival testing programs at Calgary and Toronto airports, which goal is to reduce quarantine. The other, of course, encouraging news is clearly around the vaccine and the vaccination campaign that is starting this week in Canada. With that, we remain confident that the upcoming year will be stronger than 2020. Difficult to do worse. In addition, according to recent surveys, consumers' confidence towards travel is slowly improving, especially around international travel. So in the short term, we need to continue our semi-hibernation, and as Jean-Marc described, we take every possible means to protect our cash flow. Over the upcoming weeks, we will still operate around 20 routes on a weekly basis, 
Our current program represents a reduction in capacity that varies between 85 to 90% versus the same time last year. Our load factor continues to show better results than the industry. Even if it remains far from figures we are using, we are used to seeing. As an indication, we closed the month of November at 58% 58 load factor, whereas the industry was on a 43% average load factor for the international market. We continue to carefully adjust the capacity on an ongoing basis to optimize our results. Our operation, even if it is a minimal, gives us an understanding of demand, not only from a quantitative perspective, but also from a qualitative one. And this allows us to adapt our operations and commercial approach to the new environment. Current demand has shifted towards more of a last-minute market, and on average, we are also looking at younger travelers with longer stays. We continue to offer a lot of flexibility to our customers in the current context. People can change their travel plans up to 24 hours before departure. All of our products also include medical travel insurances to cover for COVID, we are still very pleased with the implementation of our Traveler Care Travel Program, featuring enhanced health and safety measures throughout the customer journey. So far, we have received very positive feedback on this program from our customers, and we remain confident that these measures prevent onboard transmission, as demonstrated by multiple studies so far. To date, Transport Canada is not aware of any instances of transmission of COVID-19 between passengers on flight to and from Canada or on domestic flights. When we look at the upcoming year with lack of clear visibility on future demand, especially with the travel restrictions in place, we have prepared, of course, multiple scenarios ready to be deployed. Our goal at this point is to be able to add and reduce capacity in a short period of time while maintaining the most efficient operation and organization in place in order to protect our liquidity. Recent studies demonstrate that leisure travel will fully return. We don't know exactly when demand for travel will be back to 2019 levels, but we sure anticipate a resurgence when the vaccine starts to be deployed and travel restrictions are relaxed. We, we all the changes we are we know that all the changes we are making right now will strong and we strongly believe that when the crisis ends, we will have among the most efficient models in the market. A 100% simple leisure fast product and a much, much lighter cost structure driven by a 100% Airbus fleet, two types only, fully compatible. That combined with the quality of our brand and our client satisfaction, which has remained very at high levels, even if these, in these challenging times, will put ourselves within the leading pack of the race once we get out of this crisis. 
Thank you. Denny, I will now turn to you for financial results. <clears throat> Thank you, Anik. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being with us on this uh, Monday morning, which is quite unusual for us. We have, unfortunately, had to postpone our fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 results from Thursday to Friday. The reason being that we needed a little bit more time to finalize our financial communication documents in the context of COVID-19 situation, which has made everything more difficult for our auditors and for ourselves. The other more important impact of the pandemic is that we are signaling that we might, there might be a question mark on our ability to continue as a going concern, considering that additional financing will be necessary if there is no transaction. Cash has been our primary focus since the onset of the pandemic and continue to be. I'll come back to it in a more detail later, but in a nutshell, we have secured a $250 million subordinated short-term credit facility, which mature on March 31st, 2021. This short-time facility carries us over the outside date of the transaction. Should the transaction not take place, we are actively working on several solutions for the rest of the year. They include extending the current facility or replacing it by a new one, possibly provided by the much-awaited state aid in the form of leave or a program dedicated to our industry yet to be announced. We estimate our needs for the year under reasonably assumptions around $500 million. Our fourth quarter's results were significantly impacted by COVID-19 pandemic. On July 23rd, we partially resumed our airline operations after four months of inactivity. In the context of COVID-19, we implemented a very limited summer program. Consequently, for the fourth quarter, capacity deployed was a fraction of the one of 2019. Q4 results were then as follows. Revenue of $28 million, down from $693 million in 2019. An adjusted net loss of $156 million, compared with an adjusted net income of $98 million last year. The adjusted net loss of the quarter included amortization and interest for $64 million, mainly on aircraft leases, which are essentially fixed, even if rent, rent deferral uh, have been agreed. And modification of rent, where the benefits have, been, have, have to be recognized over the remaining term of the lease. Clearly, these two initiatives does not really affect P&L. Salary for 34 million versus for the same three-month period last year, 105 million dollars or 35 million per month. Settlement of fuel edging contracts put in place before the pandemic for 23 million dollars. The remaining 35 million dollars was composed of fixed costs, 
and those incurred to resume operations, which represent roughly $12 million a month, and also include year-end adjustments. And there have been a few count with the, the review in the con the, of all accounts in the context of uh, the, pen, uh, the, uh, the COVID-19. As per financial statement, the net loss attributable to shareholders was $238 million compared with the net income of $23 million in 2019. This includes special items consisting of impairment charges totaling $87 million, comprising $51 million for assets related to lease aircraft that will no longer be used, $33 million for the land in Mexico, and $3 million for the investment in a Mexican company operating an hotel in Puerto Vallarta. Special items also include additional provisions for return condition of $6 million for a lease aircraft that will no longer be used, professional fee and reversal of compensation expenses of $3 million related to the transaction with Air Canada, and A310 engines sold for a gain of $8 million. Finally, special items include an unrealized gain on change in fair value of derivatives of $18 million caused by the strong ascent in jet fuel prices after the collapse in during Q2. Now for our balance sheet. Corporation free cash total $426 million versus $576 million at the end of July. The variance of $150 million for the quarter, or $50 million per month, is the equivalent of what we experienced in Q3. And, it, and this amount is lower than what we were anticipating. Excluding the settlement of hedging contract for the period, the cash burn was $43 million per month on average, and include fixed costs, salary, aircraft rent, paid, and others. And also variation in other working cap items like payment to supplier or reimbursement to client. Cash interest or otherwise reserve total $252 million at the end of the year. The deposit for future travel stood at $609 million uh, as of uh, October 31st. Of the deposit for future travel, travel credit vouchers granted to customers in compensation for flights canceled due to COVID-19 pandemic amounted to $532 million. Long-term debt stood at $50 million and lease liabilities at $854 million, which includes six A321 Neo Long Range. Of balance sheet agreements, excluding agreements with suppliers, stood at $872 million as of October 31st, mainly related to the 11 Airbus A321neos to be delivered, of which one has been delivered mid-November. During the quarter, we have continued to implement decisive financial measures aimed at preserving our cash. As said in our press release, on October 9, 2020, 
we have put in place a $250 million subordinated short-term credit facility with National Bank of Canada as lead ranger, which remains uh, unused this date. Should the transaction not be completed, efforts are underway with our bankers and the various levels of government to secure financing to cover needs estimated to $500 million for the year 2021. Negotiation with aircraft lessors have also continued as we managed to terminate four aircraft leases after year-end. Finally, as you can read in our press release this morning, or Friday, we will not, uh, for now, provide an outlook for uh, the winter 2021. We will now proceed with your question. Merci. On débutera maintenant la séance des questions pour les analystes seulement. Si vous désirez vous inscrire pour poser une question, veuillez appuyer sur un 1 sur le 4 sur votre téléphone. Vous entendez alors le type tonalité indiquant que votre question a été bien enregistrée. Au cas où votre question aurait été déjà répondue ou souhaitée d'annuler, appuyez sur un 1 sur le 3. Un moment, s'il vous plaît, pour la première question. Thank you. We'll now begin the Q&A session for the analysts only. And if you'd like to register a question, you can press the one followed by the four on your telephone. You have a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If a question has been answered, I'd like to draw your registration. Here's the one followed by the three. One moment, please, for our first question. Our first question is from Jean-François Lavoie de Desjardins Securities. Our first question is from Jean-François Lavoie de Desjardins Securities. Please go right ahead. Yes, good morning, and thank you for taking my question. So it, it, I was wondering, is there a mechanism to extend the outside date and accommodate the new deadline provided by European regulators, as you did before under the, uh, the previous agreement? Thank you. Yes, uh, uh, the mechanism will be uh, by consensual agreements between the two parties. So it's not automatic, but it needs, uh, it needs consent. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. And then uh, you mentioned that uh, the positive development with vaccine could help to bring a certain level of demand in 2021. So I'm curious if there you have seen a certain material change in bookings for the summer of 2021 over the past month as these positive development came in. Uh, what we're seeing right now with the, the closed borders, travel restrictions and quarantines continue to be in place. Uh, travel demand is still low. However, over the last week, we've seen a little bit more booking, more movement than what we were seeing in November. So we're seeing a certain pickup at this point. Uh, for It's mostly for winter. Uh, it's still slow for summer. So summer is, uh, since we have a late booking pattern right now, we are not expecting to see summer bookings before a few weeks, a few months. <clears throat> but we remain confident with the distribution of the vaccine that uh, these bookings will pick up. Okay, thank you for the call. And when you look at the, the new bookings that are coming in, that comes in, uh, the certain pickup you mentioned, is the, are those bookings more related to people that have travel credits or there's also a mix of new clients in there? We see a mix about uh, in the, within those bookings about 30 
percent of customers are booking with uh, credit vouchers, 70% are new clients. Okay, perfect, thank you. And then the last one for me, I was wondering if you could provide an update on how revenues are shaping up so far in Q1, not about halfway through the quarter, and how does it compare with Q4? Thank you very much. Uh, like you saw uh, in the press release, we will not comment on uh, on, on on the outlook for 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 the rest of the winter, and the level of booking at this point we've been in um, in the pandemic um, is reflected in our customer in our customer deposit. Then uh, we'll adjust with the demand our program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. On passe à notre prochaine question qui vient de Kevin Chang de CIBC World Markets. Our next question is from Kevin Chang from CIBC World Markets. Please go right ahead. Uh, good, good morning and thanks for uh, thanks for taking my questions here. Uh, maybe just first off on, on the cash burn in the quarter, uh, about 50, 50 million a month uh, average. Um, you know, similar to Q3. Uh, I guess a little a little bit surprised by that, just, just given what some of the airlines have been able to do uh, with their cash burn in terms of showing sequential improvement. So, so I'm just wondering, um, uh, you know, were the things you weren't able to, uh, were the le levers you weren't able to pull on because of your upcoming transaction with Air Canada, uh, and 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 if if it wasn't for that transaction. You know, is there a sense of maybe what you could have reduced that cash burn further by, or, or, or was this 50 million a pretty, pretty clean number uh, with or without the transaction um, uh, expected in February? It's a pretty clean numbers, um, and to consider, like I, I, I commented earlier, in that 50 million per month that include settlement of edging contract. For the period was made before the beginning of the pandemic, then, then that bring us to 43 million dollars, and um, this 43 include not only uh, the cost of the period but also um, payment of accounts payable that were there and reimbursement of clients. Then I think in total, um, getting to uh, 43 million in average per month, it's um, it's a it's 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 a solid performance, um, um, and for which uh, all the initiatives were necessary to uh, to get there. If you remember when we were in uh, September and we commented on uh, what could be the level of cash burn for the next three months, which are the one that we're talking <coughs> about today, we thought at the time that the cash burn. Uh, on a monthly basis will increase and not be maintained by combining mm -hmm. payment to supplier and reimbursement to client then um, this is where we are and uh, and again on a monthly basis uh, not so bad for an uh, an organization of our size that, that, that's a fair comment um, uh, maybe just secondly on, on the 500 million dollars of, of financing you think you'll need or additional liquidity you think you'll need uh, in the event the transaction with Air Canada does does not go through, just wondering how you came up with the 500 million. Is, is that essentially, 
you know, the credits that you have outstanding within your, uh, you know, within your customer deposits, suggesting, you know, if, 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 if you treated that as restricted cash and had liquidity to offset that, that the remaining cash on your balance sheet should see you through this recovery or, or, or just wondering how you got to that 500 million specifically. Well, you see, first it comes from results that we have had for, let's say, since uh, since March. But I also take into account results that we could forecast to have in 2021 by having the pandemic and, let's say, continuing to have an effect on our results. As we all know, bookings, you know, will depend on um, on where people will see that they are uh, safe to travel and that and that's not happening as we speak like right now and the third item is uh, the uh, effect on working cap which is a combination of uh, deposits accounts payable and all of this that we could think that in the next 12 months um, we'll, sure, we'll surely not be at the level where we were before the pandemic then. This is more a, a timing, a timing um, uh, this is not a permanent impact, this one, it's more a temporary one, but we expect this to have also uh, an impact in 2021. Then when we put all this together, loss that we have made in 2020, uh, results that we, ex we could expect to have in 2021, and the temporary impact on working capital items. Uh, this is how we get to our uh, approximately $500 million. That's, uh, that, that's helpful. Uh, maybe just last one for me, and, 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 and I, I recognize it's a difficult <clears throat> question to answer, but just given the going concern comments from your auditors um, and some of the comments uh, within your MDNA, do you think that assists in, in, in getting this deal approved by the regulators, um, you know, just, just given the fact that you have a going concern comment now in your audited statements, and, and obviously there's maybe a firm failure argument that, that they need to consider? Like, do you think this changes the trajectory of the negotiations you're having with regulators, or, or do you think this was already being contemplated in their, in their due diligence? I think that's something that um, that that that, that they, they they could assess by themselves. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think it's a surprise. You know, I I don't want to minimize the the impact of a going concern note and financial statement, but um, um, because the finance because of the transaction, let's say the financing was is is not actually put in place and finalized. And uh, when you're in this situation where financing is not secure for the next 12 months and you issue your financial statement, then this note is an automatic. Then uh, this is why we are getting this in our, in our financial statement. Then uh, uh, this, the impact of the COVID is not only for us, it's for the entire industry. And I'm sure that Everyone who were looking at our numbers, uh, from investors to government, uh, were able to uh, to assess this. Oh, well, that, that's very helpful. Um, 
thanks for taking my questions and uh, I guess happy holidays as you get through the holiday season here and best of luck through the recovery. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. Et notre prochaine question va de Cornac Gupta avec Scotia Bank. Our next question on the line of Cornac Gupta, Scotia Bank, go right ahead. Thank you and uh, good morning. Uh, maybe I want to kind of uh, dig into the, the regulatory environment. Uh, so the European Commission obviously pushed out the date, uh, the deadline by one month to February 9th after you offered the remedies recently. How confident are you that those remedies that you have offered would be sufficient to receive the approval in a timely manner? The package that has been uh, offered has been uh, greatly improved. Uh, the parties are negotiate, negotiating with the authorities, uh, and it's following the normal process. So you, you don't think uh, at this point, uh, based on what you know, you don't need to provide another improvement or changes in the package, right? I just said that the parties are negotiating with the authorities and that they have uh, and it's a continuous dialogue, and they're pushing forward. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, do you do you see? We don't obviously get to see the regulatory updates from Canada uh, as much as from the EU. Do you see the Canadian regulatory environment or scrutiny as complicated as it is in the Europe right now? The test in Canada is slightly different. You have to keep in mind that the test in Canada right. is also a public interest test, so uh, and that is left to the discretion of the minister and the cabinet, the governing council. So this is why it's a, it's a, a bit more, uh, I would say, uh, uh, complicated. I see, okay, so we haven't heard anything at all on this front at this point, right? No, like we are waiting for no, the decision. No, what I Europe. said, what I said is uh, the, the transparency that you see in Europe is different because the uh, questions being asked are different uh, and the file is also moving ahead in Canada. I see. Okay. Thank and you. we are confident um, that, uh, you know, within the time frame that we have in front of us, uh, Canada will also make a decision. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, and, and Danny, perhaps for you uh, on the financing side, how much is the monthly fixed cost at, at this time before reflecting the uh, rate subsidy benefits? Um, you know, if if we. We have been able to reduce uh, aircraft rent. We have we are adjusting also salary for the operation, uh, and the other fixed costs have been have been re have been also uh, reduced. Um, when you look at P at the PNL, though, uh, initiatives on aircraft rent, it's not really you could not really see them, because like I was saying earlier, if it's a deferral. Does not affect the PNL, even if we defer cash, which is one of the main initiatives for aircraft. Uh, and even if we get um, through negotiation um, favorable adjustment to our lease for a period of time, it also has to be um, account, let's say, um, recognized over the term of the lease and not over the period which it was to uh, was to cover then example you you get a reduction in your rent let's say let's make it simple to zero for two aircraft for six months then this will have to be recognized over the term of the lease and let's, let's assume for a second that it's a 10-year lease and again on the PNL you don't see you don't see really uh, you don't see really the, the impact 
then depending if you look at PNL or or if you look at the cash that we that that we are using included in in the cash burn, the answer is is uh, is very uh, is very different. No, absolutely. But what I was trying to look for is is without uh, without looking into the lease payments, let's say at this point, just the kind of fixed costs for, for the company on the PNL. Where would you put that number before the lease payments? I would say uh, five, 25, 2025. Uh, 2025 a month, right? 2025 if you look at a balance sheet, it's included in uh, short term in the short term uh, in the line obligation, um, and um, um, yes, that's what I could say because of a con confidentiality agreement that we have had with less or than I cannot say more than this here. But no, you, that's you will find me. it yeah. in the obligation short term portion. Okay, I'll look for that for sure. Thank you. And then last one for me um, on the fleet. Uh, so I can see in your presentation that you are obviously uh, cutting down the fleet uh, over time and then you have some targets for the winters. Can you help us understand what is your um, target fleet size and the fleet mix by the end of this winter? And then what would be the, the recurring uh, monthly lease payments for that fleet? Yes, so we went uh, over the last month if we look at the uh, the A330s, we went from having 20 of those aircraft, and we are now at 15, and our ultimate goal is to move to 12. So we're still working, negotiating on those. As for the A321 Neo Long Range, the new ones, we have set seven so far, and we are expecting potentially three over the upcoming months but we are working in delaying as much as possible those aircrafts. And the remaining 10, after the remaining seven, because we would have 10, let's say, by the end of 2021, would be delivered between 2022 and 2023. We have four A321 CEOs that will remain on the fleet. And among the five Boeing 737 that we have within our portfolio, there's only one remaining, and we are still working at seeing how we could negotiate with the lessers to remove this aircraft from our fleet. In any cases, this aircraft will not fly anymore, so that we only operate A320s from Airbus, and A330, so that are fully compatible. So this is where we stand right now, still working a lot on three fronts. As Vinny explained, one is to delay payments. The other one is to activate early returns. And the third one is to negotiate permanent reduction of aircraft rents. This we have started discussion, however, there are discussions that are a little bit uh, difficult in the context of a transaction with Air Canada. So
so uh, we will wait before being a little bit more active, I would say, on this front. More active because we're already active, but uh, when the um, the uh, agreement, the transaction with Air Canada materialize or not. So there, this is where we stand in terms of rents. Denis, do you have? Okay, so we are not able because it's moving so much, so that we are not able to provide you with the specific rents right now that we are paying and we will pay in the upcoming months. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, that's great color. I appreciate it. Thank you so much and uh, happy holidays uh, for you guys. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. On passe à la prochaine question sur la ligne de Mona Nazir, Laurentian Bank. Our next question line, Mona Nazir, Laurentian Bank. Go right ahead. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to state, firstly, I do fully appreciate your comments. I understand that the situation is extremely challenging and commend your work thus far. Um, thank you for taking my questions. I just have two very brief ones. So first is a clarification. I'm just wondering, so you drew down the 50 million in its entirety, but you have not tapped into the 250 million as of yet, if I heard correctly? Absolutely, you're right. Okay, perfect. And so would it be safe to assume then that you anticipate drawing down perhaps fully before the 20, February 25th, 28th date, I believe it was? I would say not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily, it will depend on where our where our cash position is, and um, yep, um, and there's there are like we mentioned also in our different communication, there are also conditions associated with this uh, this facility. Then uh, uh, then we will draw down what's necessary to be drawn down by that date. Okay. Um, and then secondly, I understand the board's unanimous support for the offer along with a significant shareholder that's spoken out. But I was just wondering, was there any reasoning as to why the breakthrough fee was lower if a competing offer was made? I'm just wondering if perhaps a few months ago there was any potential for third-party interest or just any comments or thoughts you could have on this, um, just particularly as the stock price is sitting above the offer price, although it's come down some. Thank you. Uh, Mona, could you could you ask your question again? We had noise on the line. Sure. Well, yeah. I understand break fee, but but just to yeah, that's okay. Um, it was it was just reasoning. So the the breakthrough was lower if a competing offer was made, and so I'm just wondering if perhaps a few months ago there was third party interest or any potential. Um, it's just really, you know, why the stock price is trading above the $5 offer price, although it's come down some. Yeah. And I just want, I stated at the beginning that I do understand the board's unanimous support for the offer along with a significant shareholder. I, I think, Mona, it's really related to the fact that shareholder has a choice of taking $5 or getting uh, shares of Air Canada at a rate that is all of conversion that is already specified. That was mm -hmm. at 1747. Then uh, we could assume here that shareholders will will take share and not the five dollars. And they, if if by using the close on Friday instead of getting 
$5, they will receive a value in, uh, of uh, $7.49 of shares of Air Canada. And I think it's mostly this that drives the, the, the increase in uh, above the $5. The, the $5. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. That's it from me. Merci beaucoup. Any questions? We have no further questions on the line. Please continue with your any closing remarks. So thank you, everyone. And uh, let me just remind you that our first quarter results will be released on the 11th of March 2021. And with that, uh, thank you very much. And have a good day. Merci beaucoup. C'est là qu'on conclut la conférence téléphonique d'aujourd'hui. Nous remercions de votre participation et nous vous demandons de maintenant raccrocher. Merci beaucoup et passez une bonne journée à tous. And that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation. Please disconnect your lines. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.